0: Come on, don't say it like you don't mean it. Say it like you mean it. Say, this is God's Word. word. Not Pastor Evans' Word. I I am who it says I am. I I I can do what it says I can do. I can 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 be who it says I can be. be be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, Today. I will hear the Word of God. I I boldly declare... that my mind, is alert, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, heart is receptive my, ears open, my ears are open, and I better not go to sleep. Go to sleep. I'll never be the, I'll be the same. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, because his job is to reveal truth and bring conviction to our hearts, Father, so that we can make adjustments in our lives to live the more than abundant life that Jesus died for us to have. And so this morning I step back so the Spirit of God can use me to minister grace to your people, to minister your word in a way that they will hear it, they will receive it, They will believe it. They will understand it. And as they apply it, I thank you for 30, 60, and 100-fold returns coming in their lives as the word brings forth fruit. Most of all, I thank you because whatever we do here, my prayer is that it honors you and it blesses you. And so, Lord, we thank you today for never being the same. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated here and you may be seated at home. Last week, I started a new series that was centered around the theme for our new year. And our theme is it's going to be a year of an open heaven. So just look at your neighbor and say, I'm living under an open heaven. And let me just say this. If for some reason you missed last week's uh, message, uh, I want to encourage you to go back and look at it because... Uh, you know, I'm, this is an admonition. That's a Bible word. It's a Bible word that means let me push you to do the right thing. So let me uh, say this as an admonition because we have the awesome privilege privilege of just having technology. Uh, and technology is a good thing as long as we use it properly. There really shouldn't be any excuse if you and I miss coming to church last week that by the next week we'd have already listened to the message. Say amen to that. So if you're taking notes today, uh, the message title is keys to an open heaven, keys to an open heaven. And see, here's the thing. When you believe that you're living under an open heaven, you will settle. If you don't believe that you will settle for mud instead of manna. Because when you don't understand that an open heaven provides everything you need. Why? Because God has it all and he's willing to provide it for us. If you don't believe that, you will settle for mud instead of manna. See, that's what happened with Elijah. The Bible says God told him to go to the brook. And he was going to feed him and give him water to drink. But because of the drought, that brook eventually dried up. He could have stayed there and drank mud. But no, God moved him on. And if you don't know you're under an open heaven, you'll hold on to things you need to let go of. Amen. I know you think it is. There's no shortage of men. How many singles in the room? Singles? Singles? Ain't no shortage. Amen. See, right there in your mind, you say, well, you don't know, Pastor. I know. And that's why you hold it on to Leroy. You know, in sports, you have first string, second string, third string, and then sometimes they have a practice squad. If you, don't, you know, practice squad people don't make none of those strings. They don't even suit up on the day, right? Why are you settling for a practice squad dude? Why are you settling for a practice squad woman? Okay, okay, okay. Why are you selling for a practice squad car? Oh, so the same God that paid the one you got off driving right now, cause most people, I don't want no car note. The same God that helped you buy the one that you have that don't have a car note is the same God that can supply the need for the new car. But you know what? You have a practice squad men's saddle. yeah. Anyway, none of that was on my notes. I'm just gonna be nice. If you're visiting, I'm gonna be nice today. So, the goal of the lesson today is to provide you with some keys that you can use to operate under an open heaven. So let's start out with the definition that I gave on last week. So what I'm going to do is read this definition of what an open heaven is so we can all start out on the same page and then we're going to jump into today's message. An open heaven is when God's power, God's provision, God's perspective and God's presence is made available in unlimited ways that you and I must access with our faith in order to receive it. Because everything in the kingdom of God is accessed by our Faith. And so let's go back to the foundational verse that we use. Actually, we read it as our offering verse, and the reason I'm I'm reading it again is just to show you the context of what an open heaven looks like and sounds like. So in Malachi three ten, when he when he said to them to bring all the tithe to the storehouse that there is meat in his house, and then he says, Test me if you will not open the windows of heaven. And last week I said, If the windows can be opened, then that means they can be closed. Amen. He goes on to say that he may pour us out a blessing. Now, the word windows there refers, watch this now, to God's ability to provide an abundance of anything. So when we're talking about an open heaven, I'm talking about having uh, an understanding that God has the ability to provide an abundance of anything. And so today, what I want us to do is look at some keys that we can use to help us lock and unlock some things regarding the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven is real. However, you and I must have some keys to actually access the kingdom of heaven. Because listen, I told you last week, if the kingdom of God and the things in it was automatic, we wouldn't have to pray or do nothing. Amen. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. And here's point number one if you're taking notes. And if you don't have a copy of today's notes in the house, just raise your hand and our ushers will give you some. And if you're watching, there should be a link on the screen for you to click on to get the notes as well. Point number one in today's lesson is the kingdom of God has keys. Everybody say the kingdom of God God has keys. How many have keys? How many have some keys? You have some keys. Now, I guarantee you, you, keep your hand up. I guarantee you that all of these people in this room right here who have all these keys, none of those keys can get in my house. The only way you're going to get in my house is if I provide you with the keys or a code to get in. Say amen to that. And there are some keys to the kingdom of heaven. And most believers don't know how to use the key. Watch this, that they've already been given. Matthew chapter 16, he says unto them, and this was Jesus talking, but whom do you say that I am? And he was talking to his disciples. And then Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, watch this church, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But watch what revealed it to him. He says, but my father, which is where? Where? My father, which is in heaven, has done that. Now let me point out something. There were 12 disciples with Jesus. But only one was in tune with what heaven was saying. And you can be a believer. And you can pray every day. But if you don't keep your heart in position. And your ears tuned in. Listen. Heaven can be talking and you missing it. Because if it, it would be unfair to God. Or to, unfair to him or to us. If God was just talking to one person. Who did Jesus ask the question to? He asked the question to his disciples. Born on, one, on, one only one had the information from heaven. Verse 18, and it says, "And I say also unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church." Now, let me just say this: He wasn't saying he was build the, the rock of the church. Uh, on peter because the word peter it means petros it's like a pebble but then rock means like a stone and we know who the stone is that's jesus all right so i'm not gonna get into that and it says and i will give you watch this church verse 19 i will what give you okay so let me ask you something when someone gives you something is it a gift okay so he says i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and with these keys, watch what he says. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound where? In, in heaven. And whatever shall, you shall loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And then he charged his disciples that they should not tell anyone he was Jesus the Christ. Now, I'm going to keep it simple because Peter was able to access knowledge from the Father who is located in heaven regarding the true identity of Jesus. And a result of getting this heavenly information, Jesus then mentioned... What, he, what else he could do with these keys. And he said, one of those things is you will be able to uh, uh, bind and loose. And this is where now God's power and his provision, and his presence and his per- perception of how he sees things comes down. So here's the question. What are the keys that we could use under this open heaven? Because see, I want you by the end of this year to have experienced an amazing year. One that supersedes any year you've ever had. Say, I received that. Listen, I see an open heaven of single men asking single women to get married. Now, see, if you were single, you, you missed it right there. Amen. I see an abundance of ideas for businesses coming down from the open heaven. Say, I received that. Sometimes when people are up here preaching, you may be thinking, they're just saying something. Let me tell you something. God will use anything to get your attention. Uh, years ago, and uh, Keith is back there listening. They, they stay in the back and they listen, right? The saxophonist. And so uh, you, when we went to Gene High School, uh, I was challenging our members. I was telling how some of them had like start cussing back again. You know how you get delivered from cussing? How many have been delivered? Let me see your hand. How many are still working on your deliverance? A lot of people. That's okay. It's okay. So, so, <laughs> it's okay. Honesty is the best policy. So anyway, I was talking to the members. I was like, you need, you know, you to start hanging back out with customers. And that's why you still, you went back to custody. And so all of a sudden, I said, somebody brought some cognac to church. I said who did that? And everybody started laughing. And it's like Pastor Crazy talking about cognac in church. <sighs> How many know what cognac is? Let me just make sure I understand. Okay. Okay. How many still drink? No, I'm just like. <laughs> so anyway, everybody started laughing. And then after that. I said, I see a check for a million dollars, but it's blank. I don't know who it belongs to. I said, but, but if I were you, I would receive that in Jesus' name. And then everybody got serious and be like, I receive it in Jesus' name. <laughs> well, later on that day, Keith was playing at an event. He comes up to me and he says, Pastor, you're going to laugh about this. I said, what is it? He says, well... When you said who had, who brought some cognac to church today, he says, you know, he's a saxophonist. He, at that time, he was playing for Prince. I think he still plays for their band now. But anyway, uh, 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 the promoter of the event decided to give all of the musicians a sample bottle of cognac. Well, Keith doesn't drink. So he took the sample bottle of cognac and he threw it in his saxophone case. Now, you have to understand, Keith has many saxophones. Like this morning, he was playing his electronic one, but he's got all kinds of them. And so, why is it that that morning, when I said that the, the saxophone that had the cognac in it was on the stage while I was preaching? So y'all might be saying, oh, "He just saying." I see heaven pouring. I sing them in. Listen, you can receive it or not. I can tell you what. Ah, ah. I see it for single women. Some men go, hey, i received that at you. Okay, so let (laughs) let me stay focused. So let me point something out. Here's the question. What are the keys? What is the key or keys? And how can we use them under an open heaven? Well, listen, when you look the word keys up in the Bible, The word key or keys is only used a total of eight times throughout the whole Bible. Only eight times. Now listen, two of those times is in the Old Testament. Six of those times is in the New Testament. And you say, well, why are you telling us this? Why? Well, because out of those eight total times, seven of those times, the word keys, listen, is used in reference to opening something or opening a place. In other words, it's referred to pretty much like a key. That means now only one time it's referenced to something different. Now, you may be thinking, what's the big deal about that? Well, let me give you a real a real life uh, analogy that I would use as a parable. Because if Jesus was here, he wouldn't talk about donkeys and, and, and grain. He would talk about like modern things. And so let me give you a modern day parable so you can understand why this one time makes a difference. I'm kind of like a... a uh, I like cars. I mean, anybody like cars? I like cars, you know, and don't be critical because, you know, everybody's got their poison. No, we, we have like James is here and Edmund and we got, we have some cowboys in the church. They love they love horses. So when they get increased, their thing is, Ooh, I can get a new saddle. That's their poison. Right? Your poison may be earrings, your poison may be weaves. You got like 50 different kinds. Hey, okay. So one thing I've learned about cars is when a manufacturer makes what they call a one of one, that means they've only manufactured one car of this particular make and model. And what ends up happening, if it's a high profile car, that one car, because of its rarity... Becomes very expensive. But well, you are with me. And so here's the point I'm trying to make. Because this word is only used this way one time. I want us to pay very good attention about it. And this one time that it's used differently. is found in Luke chapter 11 verse 15. This was Jesus talking to the lawyers. Or the religious uh, people. He says, woe unto you lawyers. For you have taken away the key of what? The key of what church? The key of knowledge, you've entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, you you hindered them. Listen to the New Living Translation. I love it. It says this. What sorrow awaits you, experts in religious law, for you remove the key to knowledge from the people. You don't enter the kingdom yourselves, and you prevent others from entering in. In other words, listen, the revelation knowledge that Jesus was talking about, that key was knowledge. And this is why if you want to confuse somebody, just give them some inaccurate knowledge. And here's the thing, you can't properly lose and bind if you don't have proper knowledge. Say amen to that. So one of the most powerful keys you and I can benefit from in open heaven is actually knowing who Jesus Christ really is. And that's why some people don't have a maximized Christian life because they don't have an accurate view of who Jesus really is. Amen. People want to make Jesus a color. It doesn't matter. Blood was shed. Amen. 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 It wasn't the color of his skin that saved us. It was the blood that was in his skin that saved us. So let me give you now the main key that I want to talk about today. It's going to be the only one that I'm talking about, but I'm going to give you benefits of this key. And with, this is point number two. We're going to talk about the key of fasting and praying. Because this week we're supposed to be fasting and praying. How many ate some extra this week because you knew you was fasting for next week? Uh Uh-huh. That won't make no sense. I did it too. So we're going to talk about the key of fasting and praying. Here's point number one or key benefit number one to fasting and praying. And that is it's the only solution to certain problems. Everybody say it's the only solution to certain problems now this is a long story I don't want to read it all but I have to because of context purposes this is Mark chapter 9 and, and uh, basically I don't have to talk about the context because the story does so let's read this it says and one of the multitude answered and said master I have brought unto you my son which has a dumb spirit <laughs> look at your neighbor and say to your kids have a dumb spirit Go on, don't do that <laughs> Come on now, you know our kids can be like that sometimes, right? What was you thinking? In verse 18 it says, And wheresoever he takes him, he tears him. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes with his teeth, and he pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out. And they what? They could not. And so he answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long can I, uh, shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? He says, Bring him to me. And so they brought him to him. And when he saw him, when the boy saw him straightway, the spirit tear in him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Looks like he had a seizure of some type. Verse 21. And he asked his father. Uh, he asked the father. This was Jesus. How long is it ago since this came to him? And he said of a child. And oftentimes he cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can what, church? Come on, church, if you can what? He says, if you can believe, how many things become possible? All things are possible. And straightway the father of the, the child cried out with tears, Lord, believe. I believe, help my unbelief. And so when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit unto him and he said, Thou deaf and dumb spirit, I charge you to come out of him and he entered no more into him. And the spirit cried and tore him sore and came out of him and he who who was once dead... Uh, inasmuch that many said he's dead. In other words, he looked like he was dead after the the demons came out of him. In verse 27 it says, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose and when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately. Now I, I read the whole story for you to get this part right here. They asked him privately why could not we cast him out? And then verse 17, let's read it together church and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Church, there are some things that will only get solved by turning your plate over. See, many of us have diminished the gospel into what I call shortcut Christianity. Amen. But Jesus said there are certain things that require fasting and praying. And you may not have heard it this way, but listen, if Jesus had to fast and pray... By God, you know we ought to have to, too. Amen. Amen. There's something about a combination of fasting and praying that gets the attention of heaven. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, how bad do you want it? So just look at somebody and ask them, how bad do you want it? Amen. Amen. How bad do you want it? There was a story that I, I heard about a little boy named Leroy. And Leroy went to his mother and he demanded a bicycle from his mother. And his mother looked at him because he had not been a very good boy. And she said, I need you to take a look at yourself and the way you've been acting, she said. And she says, you know, Leroy, we don't have the kind of money for you to just ask for something. It's not Christmas. It's not your birthday. So what you need to do is go write a letter to Jesus and then pray for a bicycle instead and so he had a temper tantrum he was upset about what his mother said and so finally after having a temper tantrum he went down to his room and uh, he sat down to write a note to Jesus and the note sounded like this dear Jesus I've been a good boy this year and I would appreciate a new bicycle your friend Leroy (laughs) now Leroy knew that Jesus really knew that you know he was kind of being a brat that year and so he ripped up the letter and decided to try it again So his second letter said, dear Jesus, I've been an OK boy this year and I want a new bicycle. Yours truly, Leroy. Well, Leroy knew he wasn't being totally honest. And so he tore that up. So he tried one more time. He said, dear Jesus, I thought about being a good boy this year. Can I have a bicycle? Leroy. And so Leroy looked down in his heart and he realized, you know what, his mother was right. He's depressed, he's upset, so he leaves the house and he's walking down the sidewalk and he's depressed about it. And so all of a sudden he found himself in front of a Catholic church. So he goes in and, you know, he really didn't know what to do. He saw some people kneeling and stuff. And so uh, since he really didn't know what to do, he walked out of the door and he was looking at all these statues that were around the, the, the church. And so what he did, he he saw the the smallest one and so he grabbed it and he put it in his pocket and he ran home and he hid it under his pillow on his bed. And then he wrote a new letter to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I got your mama. If you ever want to see her again, give me a bike. Sincerely, you know who. So just look at your neighbor and say, how bad do you want it? Do you want it? See, do you want it bad enough to stop eating this week? Do you want to get married enough to pull over your plate? Do you want to get delivered bad enough that you'll turn your plate over? Come on, church. How bad of direction do you want? Do you really want direction? If you do, guess what you got to do? Got to turn it over. So here's key key benefit number two to fasting and praying is we can receive strategic directions and instructions. Receive strategic directions and instructions. In Judges chapter 20 verse 26, it says, Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came to the house of God and they wept and they sat there before the Lord. Listen to what happened. They fasted that day until the evening. What did they do? They fasted that day into the evening and then they offered a burnt offering and peace offerings before the Lord. Watch verse 27. And the children of Israel, what did they do? They inquired of the Lord because the Ark of the Covenant was there uh, in, those eight, uh, in those days. In verse 8, it says, "Phineas the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days saying, Shall I again go to battle? Because what had happened, the children of Israel had went to battle and they had lost. So now he's asking, shall I yet go out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease or stop? Watch what happened because of their fasting and praying. And the Lord said, go up for tomorrow. I will deliver them into your hand. Because when you and I fast and pray, listen, I don't know. It's something about the combination of fasting and praying that opens up heaven for you to hear some things prior to pastoring i had a barber and beauty salon and uh, i'll never forget one of my beauticians uh went out uh to on vacation and it was um i don't know they went somewhere like Haiti or jamaica or somewhere like that and they brought me back a gift and it was like an object it was like a wooden thing uh i mean it was it, it was a great piece of art you can tell it was man made somebody hand carved this thing and they gave it to me and when they gave it to me I didn't think nothing about it. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my finances start going backwards. I was still tithing. I was still giving. And I couldn't understand what in the world is going. I'm talking about literally went backwards. It looked like I just stopped making money. And so, uh, you know, I thought maybe after a couple of weeks, it'll stop. And see, this is what happens. Things start happening. We don't pray about it. We just say, oh, it'll, it'll, well, it did line back up. So now I'm like, okay, something's wrong. And I knew, you know, the Bible says a curse without a cause shall not come. I knew that I was doing my part. Why was my financial life going backwards? So you know what I did? Look at your neighbor and say, he needs to tell you. I fasted and prayed. And while I was fasting and praying, the Lord revealed to me that the object or the gift they gave me had, watch this now, the curse of poverty on it. Now, I'm sure they didn't know that, but whoever was making it had the spirit of poverty on them and they made it. And, and you say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Look, this is why people are doing crystals and all that foolishness these days. So when he revealed to me, he says, heaven, it's that, it's that gift that, that they gave you. He says, you need to get rid of it. Well, I was going to give it to somebody else. He said, don't give that curse to nobody else. So I took that thing and I threw it in the trash. My point is this. When you and I fast and pray, then we can inquire of God and he can give us strategic ways to deal with things. Say amen to that. Amen. The New Living Translation of Acts chapter 13 also shows how God will give us strategic directions when we fast and pray. It says, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menin, and the childhood of the companion of King Herod, Antipas, and Saul. Watch verse 2. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and doing what church? fasting. What were they doing? Fasting. Fasting. The Holy Spirit, what? If you want the Holy Spirit to say some things, you need to stop eating some things. He says, watch what he says, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work. Now the King James says, separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul, watch this, for the special work to which I called them. In other words, the utterance came out. I got something for them to do. But watch what happened. Listen how they responded. Verse 3. So after more fasting and praying. After more. Because see, a lot of times, we're looking for signs or we make signs out of confirmations. And a confirmation and a sign is different. A sign is what you want to see. A confirmation to what God wants you to see. Yes, sir. And so after more fasting and praying, don't pray about it one time, pray about it again. That's what they did. And after that, the men laid hands on them and sent them on their way. Here's key benefit number three, very fast, uh, to fasting and praying, is that you and I can receive protection and provision. The New Living Translation of Ezra chapter 8 verse 21 says this, And there by the Ahava canal i gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before god it says we prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us. There it is, and our children, and even our goods as we travel. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we told the king, "Our God, hand or protection is all on us, uh, who we worship Him as we worship Him." But His fierce anger raises against those who abandon them. And so, verse twenty-three. I want you to see. It says, "So we." Everybody say, "We." That's why we doing it as a church. So we did what? Fasted and what? Earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, read it with me, and He heard our prayer. Here's key benefit, number what? Four? Alright, here's the key benefit for praying and fasting. God can cause grace regarding judgment. I don't know about you, see here's the thing, grace, grace will cover your sin. But it doesn't remove consequences all the time. Amen. I mean, you can go 100 miles an hour and the police graces you by not sending you to jail, but you're still going to get a ticket. So listen to this. Here's the context. God has sent Elijah to Ahab who was married to Jezebel. And uh, uh, he was her husband. uh, And God was sending Elijah to pronounce judgment on Ahab because Ahab had took this man's uh, vineyard. And he stole it and, and Jezebel, uh, you know, connived the whole thing. And so uh, we're going to read the story because Elijah was sent by God to tell this man what his judgment was. So it says here in New, uh, the New Living Translation of 1 Kings chapter 21, this is my last verse. He says, No one else completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. That's why you don't marry an unbeliever. What do you have in common? So it says... His worst outrage was worshiping idols, just as the Amorites done. The people whom the Lord had driven out of the land ahead of the Israelites. But when Ahab heard this, in other words, the prophet came to him and brought judgment. And the judgment was bad. If you want to know what the judgment was, go back and read the story. It was bad. God was going to wipe out his whole... I mean, it was bad. So then it says, but when he heard the message, he tore his clothing. He dressed in burlap and he did what church? He fasted. He even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Then, watch this now, another message from the Lord came to Elijah. His fasting changed God's mind. I don't know about you, but there are some things that you might need to have God to change his mind on. You say, but well, I don't believe God changed his mind. Yes, he does. Remember when God said, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to wipe them out. Abraham said wait a minute God don't do that what if it's 50 righteous people in the city are you going to just wipe out the righteous with the wicked and he says okay I won't do that but then he didn't find 50 righteous people so what he sh- what it- what could he have done just wipe it out but then now Abraham said oh no no okay let's go down to 40 and then he went from 40 to 30 and from 30 to 20 and he couldn't find none so guess what he did he had to wipe the city out <laughs> One of our members' son did something that he shouldn't have done. And he was going to prison, not jail. You know, some of us have been to jail. That just means you did something stupid and it wasn't like big. So they just let you stay in there for like six months, two months, two days, whatever. But when you go to prison, that means it was heavy duty stuff. And he, and he uh, they, they they sentenced him. But what they sentenced him was way lighter than what he should have got. You know why? Because his mother was praying say amen to that and so there are times it says here uh, in verse 28 then another message from the Lord came to Elijah he says do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me because he's done this I will not do what I promised during his lifetime God changed his mind fasting and praying changed God's mind now didn't change the course of judgment he says it will happen to his sons I will destroy his dynasty Listen, when Esther and her crew decided to pray and fast, the sentencing to kill all the Jews was reversed. What I'm saying, church, is it's time to turn the plate over. Now, you figure out how you want to do that. That's why we made. But listen, however way you do it. It's no food and water. W-A-D-E-R. Water. (laughs) None of this drink i want a protein shake no 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 now if you on the doctor's advisement you know you are right you do, do what you need to do but do something that's going to challenge you if you take medication all that and you can't like not eat okay then guess what find your poison and fast it that week if it's social media fast it some of y'all, y'all on it so much, if you don't get on Facebook this week, Facebook is going to call. you be like, hey, hey, you ain't logged on this week. What's going on? I'm fasting. So how are we going to apply this this week? First of all, decide right now that you are going to join us as we fast and pray this week. There's a video that's going to be sent to you tomorrow. That's a devotional that I did that's going to talk about praying, fasting just use it as your devotion that day here's number two be faithful to how you decide to fast however way you describe your fast just be faithful to that here's number three don't just fast but pray because if you just fast you are on a spiritual diet that's it here's number four write down some things you need to see happen as a result of your fasting And then number four, here's the last one. When hunger comes, let it be the trigger for you to pray. Oh, God, I bless you. Come on now, you know that stomach's going to grumble. Let that trigger you to pray. And I'm just declaring in Jesus' name, as we fast and pray this week, whatever things that we're fasting and praying, God's going to give us downloads. He's going to give us wisdom. He's going to give us strategic direction. He's going to provide for us in ways that we did not anticipate. I see some debts dropping off. I see some healings coming forth in the name of Jesus. There are some people that have these chronic headaches. If you will fast and pray this week, I see God healing you. So Father, we receive the word today and we thank you that as we live under this open heaven and as we humble ourselves to fasting and praying, we thank you. We're not only going to hear from heaven, but you're going to do things that we could not have done on our own. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen. With every head bowed. And if you're watching me, I want you to bow your head right there where you are.